Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. This is a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the leader of their life. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women that feature guest interviews as well as solo episodes with Maya. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the My Opinion Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now in her opinion, here's your host, Maya Roffler. Hi guys, welcome back to My Opinion. Today I have a super interesting and amazing guest. Her name is Christy Marchese. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi Maya, hi everyone, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you here. I am so excited to learn more about your company. You are, well, currently the owner and founder of Kinema. Tell us a little bit about Kinema. I'm so fascinated by this company. Ah, thank you. Happy to. I obviously, I love what we're doing, uh, but I know it could be a bit complicated. So I'll do my best to, to narrow it down. I, in short, we help people launch their own movie house to support the filmmaking they want to see, make it easy for people to essentially curate the films that they want to exhibit in their neighborhood, kind of bypassing movie theaters. So it's it's our mission to make it fun and easy and very valuable for people to show movies, essentially. Well, that that is very short and succinct. And I think that, <laughs> you know, will intrigue people. So tell me this then. So is it just for the filmmaker, just for the viewer? I mean, so you can use this in a couple different capacities, right? Kinema.com. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So it's kinema.com and it's essentially a marketplace where we are curating which films we're representing, but we have a pretty wide net. It's, you know, film festival quality, films that appeal to most everybody, usually through niche audiences. And then we also have built up this network of independent film exhibitors. So for anyone not familiar with, with the film industry, you know, I'm sure everyone spent a lot of time watching movies on Netflix. There's a few different windows and ways a film can release. You can go into movie theaters, you go on a streamer, you go through a transactional platform like Apple uh, for rentals. And what we've looked at is in the film exhibition space of films going into theaters, over time, we started to see indie theaters slowly disappear. And then we were seeing more Marvels and big tentpole films just be placed in the larger theaters in the AMC networks, which I love. I'm a huge fan of Marvel and Disney. I'm a big fan of all those films. We saw this opportunity of kind of these smaller titles, often with what might be considered more niche audiences, slowly disappear. And so we want to kind of create another opportunity for that that didn't have the same type of barriers that a brick and mortar theater would have. So why not partner with spaces that have cinemas already in them, but aren't a traditional cinema? So we essentially verify that these spaces exist. We work with their curators and people who represent them. Oftentimes they're more community than pop-up, than space-based. So we think church, library, community center, yoga studio, anywhere where there's an affinity group or gathering of people that also have a physical space that can show movies. And we essentially match the two. So what are the films? You know, we've got, you know, church in Tennessee that loves showing music documentaries. We have someone online that loves showing horror films for their social audience. So doing the curation of the films and the rights management and pairing them with these audiences through a host who's bringing the film to their audience. And so we do this in person. And then of course, with the pandemic, we built a virtual version of that. So now anyone can have their own essentially private watch parties online. And a lot of the entrepreneurs we work with online can use that to make money. They do a ticket split with the filmmaker. So the filmmaker is getting more revenue, more eyeballs on their film. And then the host is also getting a way to connect with their community online. They make additional money from the, the ticket sales. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you explained that part because I was like, okay, but this is virtual. And I know some people are going back in person with things. So now you're probably flipping to some hybrid type situations and things like that. Yeah. So I love that. Understand that because I don't know if you know this, Christy, but one of my businesses is event logistics. So I do event logistics for companies. Yeah. So I understand a lot of this and it is one of the reasons why I was like, oh my God, she's great for my opinion. And also (laughs) obviously the, the leadership aspect, but no, I think that's a great explanation of your site. I'm still obviously learning about it, but this is so innovative and I think it's great. And, you know, there's so much great film out there and there's so much great content. There's so many great creators out there, but you're right. Like not everything's a Marvel film and not everything's going to mm-hmm. be a big blockbuster. And that doesn't make it any less important that it's seen and gets in front of the audience and that these creators have that, you know, platform. So this is really incredible. So I want to go oh, back. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, this is a great thing. And I love the name. I love Kinema. Just so you guys know, we're saying like it's cinema, but with a K instead. So that's what it that's is. Perfect. That's exactly <laughs> how I say it. So people remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't forget it like that. So, but I want to go back because we were chatting before. So I want my listeners to hear this. You actually owned another company before this. And so I really want to go through your journey because this was a big shift for you. This was a change going into kind of the tech space and I mean, total shift. So tell me about that. Tell me about your first company, the transition. Let's talk to that. So my first company was called Picture Motion and it was a service agency, a service-based company agency model. So it essentially built off of my playbook and my partner's playbook. And we built and we designed and implemented social impact campaigns around movies. And so that meant that we would get hired by streamers, studios, independent filmmakers who had a film on a particular social issue. It could be as uh, broad as kindness and as specific as like ending uh, voter suppression in Georgia. And our job was figuring out who is the audience we're trying to reach? How do we connect with them? And what's the call to action that we want them to take afterwards? And so I did that for about nine years. And that was really built off of the work and what I learned in my career from working for a Norman Lear nonprofit called Declare Yourself for participant media and the social action team. So it was really kind of a, a natural step. It's a, it, was, it was still a big step, right? You're still going out and starting a business, yeah. but it was more a natural progression. I was basically taking what I was already skilled at doing and basically doing it independently and kind of selling those services. And then we quickly built an agency. I think at our, you know, it was a small agency. We, we maxed out, I think at 15 people, but it was very much of here's my vision for this. Here's the playbook. And here's how we work with clients and constantly iterating and growing from there. And it was, it was bootstrapped. You know, you can only hire when you have enough money to hire the next person. You can only grow based on the contracts you have. And so that I got very, it's still scary going out on your own and, and starting that. There's still risks associated with it, but it was in a realm I felt very comfortable with. Oh yeah. And then going, yeah, yeah it sounds like you probably have very similar experiences. I understand. So yeah. Yeah. And then what we found is, you know, before we started Kinema, we had kind of an earlier version that we called story spaces. In the agency model we had, a part of our business was just running screening tours because what we were finding is that our filmmakers were looking to connect with their audiences and looking to do in-person screenings, but it didn't fit you know, the traditional exhibition model. So we started building out these lists and relationships with screening hosts and sending them DVDs and surveying them afterwards and you know, booking the filmmakers to go speak and essentially running almost like a little tour business within this agency model. And we saw a lot of opportunity here that we just couldn't meet as an agency because we get hired by a specific entity with certain goals. And so we're like, wow, we're seeing all this opportunity and all of our hosts want different films, but we can't bring them those films because we don't represent them. So is there a way we could take what we're doing and pull it outside of the agency? Can we create, can we use technology to do better film delivery, box office reporting, 
materials and promotional asset delivery, tracking, email, all of these things that like we have the technology for, but we weren't utilizing because it's going to take an investment to build. And then would that allow us to open it up so that almost any film could access all of these hosts? So we create a, almost a matching system where if I'm a filmmaker with a documentary on deforestation and I'm really trying to reach you know, the Pacific Northwest, I have a system to do that. I have people who have said, I'm a school that's interested in this. I'm a nonprofit organization that wants to use this film for fundraising. And through our technology, match, pay for the film or sell tickets, do the film delivery, all that takes place in that system. That's a big tech build. And I think I, you know, and it was ambitious and I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm not a tech person. I don't know how to build. I don't know. To, I was excited when I can adjust like a MailChimp survey. So like her <laughs> email, that, that was as tech savvy as I got. Yeah. So I think there was this big hurdle of, I want to do this. And I love, I have a backing for this idea. There's a startup studio who believes in this, but I didn't think I could run it to be frank. Like I was looking for a partner. I developed some partnership with somebody. We kind of went down a path that didn't work out, but it was really, I could, I had a really hard time wrapping my head around this idea of if I'm a, being a CEO of a tech company and doing fundraising, like we were going to get venture capital, we needed that initial investment to build this product that we envisioned. We couldn't do it in the old agency model. So it's a, my long answer to your question of like, that was really hard for me to wrap my head around. Of, could I actually do it? It took a, it, it took a while to get there. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, thanks for sharing all of that because yeah, it is, it is totally different because I am presently myself in two different business models and it is totally different. Totally and different. Yeah. When, you, when you're building and like all your income and you're like, okay, yes, I can afford to hire this person to do this. And like, okay, we're at this level. We can do that. That is what she's talking about guys with bootstrapping. <laughs> and then when, and you can do that with several different models, but service-based it's super easy to do as long mm -hmm. as you're chugging forward and not backwards, obviously, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> um, when you're trying to create a product or a technology, it's challenging because you need the funds up front and mm -hmm. you need someone to believe in you before you're really actually producing it a hundred percent. You know, you can yeah. show, you basically show something. So it is a totally different, it is different and it isn't different. So what finally gave you that push? We were talking about how in March of 2020, you were ready to kind of fly with that initial idea and then the pandemic hit. Yes, exactly. So there's, you know, a bit of a journey of getting there. And you're so right, by the way, this, you, all the different steps are, you know, first I have to like believe that, you know, that I have to believe in the idea enough in myself that I can also then go sell that idea to other people because you don't have too much traction to show for it. So I think there was like, that first belief was like a big step in it. And then this, the step believing I could do, it took a little bit more time. But we, I, we incubated within human ventures. We built, you know, our, our minimum viable product or MVP, um, which is essentially the, the first initial iteration of the marketplace where someone could go pick a film, you know, pay for the film and, you know, use a ticketing platform. Very, very basic. We had our first partnership with a theatrical distributor and our first film release all set. And we had like 16 fundraising meetings set. We're like, great. We've start with the product to begin traction and show proof of concept while also starting the fundraising based off of the idea, like give ourselves a few months to get this done. And you know, the entire business was set on people getting out of their home, joining a community to go watch a movie. And in March of 2020, that all went to hell in hand basket. So that was, we had to take a big pivot and take a big step back. And so I think I, I, think I found, I, I mean, you, you talk a lot about leadership. For me, I found some of my leadership works best in a time of crisis. I don't know if that's good for long-term growth, but I'm great in a crisis. And that's kind of what happened then. And so it gives me focus and a problem to solve. And so one, you know, I spent time, I hadn't quite left my other company yet. I was still running that company and was still trying to figure out who's a partner for this new company and how does that work? And in this process, learned a lot. One, 
like made sure the other company was stable during the pandemic. And so thanks to my partner and the COO, we were really able to do that. Both amazing women. And then second, the new tech company, we took a step back and just listened into what the market was doing. And we built a different MVP for a virtual cinema. And then we were able to partner with the first company to test it out and have these amazing events and then get some press on that and snowball all that. And basically use, we were able to build a product and have an immediate audience to use it because that company needed it for all the screenings they had booked. And we spent the next three months listening and learning before we figured out what we wanted to build and what we wanted to, to pitch essentially to investors, which is a little bit crazy if you think about it. Every person I talked to that I respected during the pan, that works in the film industry during the pandemic said the same thing when you would say, when I'd ask, where's this, where's this going? What's going to happen? Nobody knew. No one knew anything. Like this yeah. is completely unprecedented. All the words we've heard a hundred times. So we were also trying to fundraise for an idea that we weren't even sure it was going to like work in the new world, but we knew there's a problem we're trying to solve. We think we're going to get there this way, but we don't know yet. So just believe in us and the team we're creating to solve that problem over time. Yeah. You've brought up so many great points. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that part (laughs) of the story too, because I think that's really important. I talk a lot about on the show and a lot of other entrepreneurs that come on here, we're from corporate America. It doesn't matter. They talk about pivoting and how important that was during the pandemic. And it's still important because I know, you know, we're still not in the norm. I mean, this has changed us forever, right? It really has. So even as you are, you know, with Kinema and you guys are going back in person, you know, there's still going to be that virtual component. So everything that you've built is going to stand the test of time. I mean, our, I mean, we're virtual right now. I mean, this is how it is, right, Christy? So, right. I think it's really important that we understand that. And that's, those are the people that were really successful during the pandemic. And I think will always be successful. And I think something you said about your leadership is interesting too, because you said that, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I'm really great (laughs) in a crisis. It is a good thing. And I've talked about it a lot too on here because, you know, those who are able to handle a crisis do well in leadership because you stay cool, calm, and collected, and you know how to problem solve. And Mm -hmm. that was really one of your moments. And I appreciate you sharing that (laughs) where you really stepped in. I shared with you, we talked about stepping into your leadership. You really stepped into your leadership and you recognize that's a strength in your leadership skills. It's a strength. It's a good thing because there's always going to be things that happen, right? Especially running your own company, (laughs) as you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, you know, not a lesson I wanted to learn, but it was like a reminder of like, oh, this is true. Anytime I found that the company, my last company has done well, it's because I've been approached with a problem. Something is changing in the industry or we're losing a client or something didn't work out. And I can, I can problem solve that. I often wonder and ask myself, like, is this, I don't know if I'm going to get a long-term growth. How do I make a five-year plan? I just only get when problems come up. But I think what I've learned is having really good partners. So I have a really great COO at this company who's just a really good like compliment. We spent the day today doing a brainstorming session. And he's really great at that long-term thinking and that long-term planning. And right now we have like, you know, there's always small crises. We're like, oh, we got to meet some numbers. And I'm like, great, put me in coach. Like I can do this. I can do pan- I can do a crisis and panic. And same thing with the last company. My, my partner for nine years over there, Wendy Cohen, was amazing. And just like, a, she was amazing with our team. Just a calm, cool voice over long-term vision setting for the company. So I think leadership is, I mean, I actually don't know what it is half the time, but for me, <laughs> I know what I'm good at and that's been helpful. And what's been really important to me to have a great partner inside whatever company I'm doing. Yeah, you definitely know what leadership is, Christy. Give yourself more (laughs) credit. That's why you're on the podcast. But yeah, I think 
I think you brought up another really great point that I have talked about, but not enough. So I'd love to touch on this a little bit with you is partnerships because, you know, finding it can be lonely at the top. I've talked about this on my solo episodes, right? It doesn't matter if you are running your own company or you're like the CEO of a large company or a a VP, or you're just maybe running a department. I mean, we are so segmented sometimes in what we do. And so if you are running a company and you find that partner that can run it with you and you have that relationship where you guys just really fill each other's gaps. And I mean, it's very hard to find. It's, you know, when I talk about your, I think you're totally right. It's like finding a life partner. <laughs> like, it really, it, it really is. You're going to spend like more time with them. Yes. <laughs> you're going to spend more time with them. So yeah, it's like a marriage. So yeah, I want to push yeah. that back to you because you, you commend Wendy, who was your first partner in crime. Yeah. And now you have your next partner who is incredible too. What has worked for you in finding those people or maybe just building those relationships? Because I know a lot of my listeners are thinking, God, I've had some partners where it wasn't so great. (laughs) Or maybe they're the lucky ones that have had some great ones. And I'm racking my brain. I know my relationships that have worked very well and had some doozies too. So anyway, (laughs) I want to hear from you. Nine years is huge. And you're on to another great venture. So yeah, let's hear about it. Yeah. I feel like, it, you know, if you think of it as having, you know, romantic relationships, I feel like my nine-year partnership with Wendy was a great relationship. Like we yeah. were obviously still, we were, to answer your question more directly, we were, we worked together first. And the, these two cases where I have strong partners or partnerships, I've had been lucky enough to have an experience of working with them beforehand. So when I worked at Participant Media, Wendy was also at the company. And while we like, we, we knew each other and we worked together we really, we worked on a film campaign or for the film Waiting for Superman. And the two of us were just like neck and neck, like working on the two sides of the, of the, of the campaign, both on the digital side. And you just got very, we liked how each other worked. We liked how each other saw the world. And so when it came, you know, I moved out, this is in California. When I moved to New York, she stayed in California. And, you know, a year and a half later, as Picture Motion was getting off the ground, we just kept talking. I'm like, if I want to do, if I could do this, I would do it with you. And that's what we kept saying to each other. And so we had the benefit of working together for, and we had like a year of talking about it too. I think that that period mattered of like, what's important? What's success? What do you need for your family? So we had that time. And I'd say for this one, our, our CEO, his name is Rish. He was within the startup studio at Human Ventures as an analyst. And so the way the studio worked is they would put in some pre-seed money and um, allocate some of their internal resources. So CTO, finance, human resources, which is a huge help for a founder. And he was assigned to us and he was great. And we just, again, worked really well. I like how his brain worked. I liked how he planned. I like how we saw the world. And so because we had a, in a nice way, a training period. And then over time, it was like, I would love to build this with you. And I'll give one quick other example, which is the complete opposite of where it didn't work out, but the same rules kind of applied where we, my agency had acquired a smaller agency. And part of the plan there was the, the woman who ran that company. We both had the same vision for, you know, what, what Kinema is now, but the idea was a little bit different back then. And we were like, let's do this together. We want to do this together, but let's give ourselves the time to work out these kinks. And we're both glad we did because I'm still a huge fan of her and her work. But we really were like, what are our goals? Are we on the same page? And after like five months of talking, like we just weren't like we and we were happy that we figured it out before we moved forward, because I don't I don't think the company would have worked. I don't think we would have been happy. It would have hurt our friendship. And it was not easy. And it was hard for both of us to be like, this is what I need. And this is what I think the company should be. But if, because we weren't on the same page, we, we didn't move forward. 
And that's where I spiraled and was like, who's going to run this company? How's this going to work? I can't leave my other company. And that's like, to your point about leadership, it, that took a lot longer of a journey for me to, to move over when, because initially she was going to be CEO and running the company. Right. So yeah, long story short, it's, it's, if you can, it's this line of someone that you know before or someone that you've had an opportunity to work with or get to know who they are as, as a human beforehand. And that doesn't necessarily mean work with your friends or hire your friends or partner with your friends, but that to have some sort of existing relationship or trust and to see how the other person's brain works and how they handle crises or work with other people has been incredibly helpful. I couldn't have done it without having that, that time period with each person. I love all three of those examples. I think <laughs> I love that you gave, I don't want to say a negative one, but one that went in the other direction, you know, and because I think that's important that people hear that and understand that. And I love what you said at the end about <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean hire your friends because that is like a whole podcast episode that we could do, Christy, because, oh yeah, oh my gosh, like, you know, <laughs> the mistake has been done over and over till the end of time and it will be made again and again. And, you know, I, it works from time to time, but you really touched on what works and the best partnerships that I've experienced as well. When I've worked on a project with somebody or we've clicked in another establishment or whatever, and I'm like, I want to work with this person long-term. Like, this is something, wow. Like, it's like magic. It's, it's like a romantic relationship, but work, you know, you have a spark together and communicating about it and seeing a vision though, that's the next step in the relationship. This is another episode too. We could do building the, the, the work relationship, right? Instead of the romantic, the steps, but it's like that you have like the spark, you can feel it, you know, when you're working really well with somebody yeah. and you felt that with her, right. And you feel that mm-hmm. with, with this current gentleman too. And you just feel that and you build off of that and you build the relationship. And when all of that communication is clear, you can then go into the work marriage. And I love that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you get articulated it perfectly. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, your stories work very well. And what's interesting about your last story where it didn't work out is that you spent the time, you know, instead of just jumping into like a blind marriage, <laughs> you spent the yeah. time <laughs> talking and really figuring it out. Because what I find happens, this happens a lot. I used to teach podcasting. And so people would be like, I'm going to start a podcast with my best friend. It's going to be awesome. 99% of the time it was not awesome. And they were looking for, <laughs> they were looking for somebody new within a month. And oh. that's why I, well, I launched a website called findacohost.com that helps match people cool. for this. Right. So oh, it's amazing. It's, it's still in beta mode. So you and I will have to chat about that, but, oh, cause hey. it is another ball game. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. But they think it's a good idea. And it's really not because you think, you know, your friend or you, you know, this person, but you don't know them in that way. So it right. is like dating. It is like, you know, you got to get to know them. So I think that's really great advice. Well, and the business is also, it's no longer about you and your relationship. You're creating a third entity. It's like, it's like, again, having a child, if you want to keep using the romantic references. Yeah. And so then the decisions are like, especially again, to compare these two companies, you know, my partner and I, we, we owned the agency. Like that was, it was an LLC. We need the structure in venture. I don't fully own this company. Like right. I've taken on investment in exchange for ownership. And so this actually just came up recently. One of our investors said to me in passing, he's like, I was concerned that you were hiring your friend and it's someone else in the company that I've known forever. And he, he's right. We are friends. And that was something she and I had to talk about of like, you know, it'll be, it's not as exactly a partnership. It's serving a particular role. 
but our friendship comes first. Like we don't ever want to work to get in the way. So if it ever feels like this isn't working out, we got to have those honest conversations because it's, I would, I would rather have an uncomfortable business conversation than looser as a friend. Like we have to get ahead of it. And it's so much about that pre-conversation and they say managing expectations. Like it's whatever that line is of like all, most fights are really, or disagreements are just unmet expectations on either side. So as long as she's entering of like, we have shareholders or we have uh, investors, I have to kind of do what the business needs. And like, if, if in any way, like you're not living up to this, not that we want to think about, no one ever plans for the divorce, but like, we have to be conscious that this is a work environment. And so we'll have to be thoughtful that if, we, if things go wrong here, we got to be able to talk about it in the work world. So it doesn't hurt our friend world. So it's, and I'm, I'm always terrified it could go bad. So, so far so good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, but <laughs> I think it'll be fine for you because you mentioned something really important. You set expectations ahead of time. It's almost even more important when you are dealing with a friend or family, if they're going to be a part of the business, you have to stress it even more, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. because there is a friendship or there is a family relationship, right? So like boundaries really have to be set in place and expectations ahead of time. Now, I think that with all employees, but again, that's another episode for a different day, (laughs) but it's true. (laughs) Setting expectations is really important. And, you know, that can't be excluded. It has to be dialed up, I think a little bit. So another great piece of advice, and that sets you up for success as a leader and, and getting ahead of it. And it sets them up for success too, because they don't come in thinking, okay, this is going to be all ping pong and drinking beer and hanging out. Right. And that's going to yeah. be our day, right? At the startup. Like, no, that's not how this works. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's really good leadership yeah. advice to set proper expectations, but, you know, really lean into it when you're dealing with friends and family. Yeah, exactly. Be extra conscious of it because it's it's yeah. like, it's just, you don't definitely, I, I would never hire, this is a personal thing. I would never hire anybody just because they're a friend that just sets you up for trouble. But when you have a friend Agreed. who's so perfectly qualified for a position, then you're like, I want you in this role because of the work that you do. But we got to talk about like, you know, let's talk about this. We're going to have to talk about money or it's going to be uncomfortable. We're going to talk about what you want. It's like salary changes, like all that's uncomfortable for friends to have. So it's like, we're going to have to do the shift of friend hat versus like work hat when we have some of these conversations. And then that's yeah. okay to be those separate people. <laughs> Absolutely, Christy. And the thing is not everybody's comfortable with that. So having that yeah. conversation ahead of time with them, you are saving yourself so much time, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> and so- And I think as a leader and those of you listening, if you're a new leader or, you know, you might not think about that right away. And then you get into it and you start thinking about all these things that you just listed, Christy. So I think, I mean, great advice. Thank you so much for all of this. I want to talk a little bit more about Kinema before we wrap up. So this is growing. This is exciting. Tell me a little bit about, for everyone listening, who needs to go to Kinema, like access it. I mean, we can view it, but we can throw events on kinema.com, like, right? So tell us a little bit about who needs to be coming over to Kinema. I'd say there's kind of, there's two types of people. And so I'll actually, I'll use you as as an example, Maya. So like, you are a leader. You're a leader on a topic of leadership. Like you have, you represent a community and you have followers. So you, like influencers, if I could call you that, like, and creators like you, use our technology to use, to find films, to help better or continue to connect with their audience. So you would look at the films we have and say, okay, Ant and the Grasshopper is a documentary have about a woman who is fighting, fighting against climate change in Africa. And so like, she is an example of a female leader. 
And so you would essentially go on, select that film, select your cinema, select, you know, create a virtual cinema, assuming much of the audience is virtual since it's podcasting. One of your three companies is podcasting. And then you invite everyone to come in and have that group discussion. And so in this case, you know, I love doing these. These are great one-on-one conversations. Part of the reason I love doing these is because I, I learn so much. And I learn more even about how we talk about what we do in, in these things. But sometimes it helps to have like the, oh, and we include more people in the conversation. So you would set up the virtual cinema. You could invite all of your followers. You could make it as a paid event. People can buy tickets. You can set it so that money goes to a nonprofit. You can take a piece of the revenue, which you should, because you are like an entrepreneur yourself and you're providing value to the community. Or you can make it free. There's different options. In the virtual cinema, there's a live chat where you can have, you can make comments on the film throughout. And then there's a live broadcast feature. So you and I are talking on video right now. Essentially how we're communicating now would get broadcast into that cinema. And then you lead a conversation. And then through the platform, you could also, com- yeah, you can, right after the movie, you talk about your thoughts on it. Awesome. You can bring people up on stage to talk about it with you. I could also connect you with the filmmaker or the subjects to talk about it with you for the audience because it's all virtual now. They can pop in for 15 minutes and it's pretty easy. And so for you, the benefit is like deeper community engagement, connecting with your followers, making more of a dialogue situation in, in the text and in the video. And then the flip side is, you know, I don't know if you go into film at all since you're in podcasting, but like if let's say you had a film or you someone out there listening is a filmmaker, this is a way for you to make your film available to hosts like me or hosts like you, Maya, to have their own screening events. And then you can also attend those and directly connect with those audience. You get to real time hear how your audience is experiencing your, your film. So if anyone out there like leads a, a community group or an affiliate group or is passionate about any social causes, it's a great place to find a film to, to build community. And if you're a filmmaker, it's a great way to reach new audiences. That was explained so well. Thank you so much. (laughs) That's so cool. I didn't realize that you, like you and I could be on there and like, I'm the influencer and host and you could be the filmmaker and I could actually like talk to you and then kick off the film and then we could close out the film. And oh my God, that's so cool because I mean, you can draw an audience, you know, like she's actually going to be there. He's actually going to be there with me. And how cool like that is really awesome you've created a really cool platform for filmmakers I mean people who have causes I just think this is awesome I can't wait to check it out myself Chrissy well we have a screening tonight also there are 1800 people are currently registered to join this one screening (laughs) yeah to watch a film called Nyla and the Uprising so it's I'm very I'm gonna jump into this one because I'm like this sounds amazing that many people are all gonna watch the movie at the same time so it'll be fun so exciting oh my god that's so exciting so before we say where to find you we obviously know kinema.com but do you have any last I mean you gave us so much information thank you do you have any last pieces of advice for my amazing listeners about how to really step into leadership or anything from your personal experience I think that this is something I really, really believe in. I feel like I've been fortunate to have, but I, it's, it's not luck. It's the time you put into it. Is I have a really good support system of other female leaders. And I think we have a great text group, like hopefully they're listening now, but there's, you know, five of us on this and we just, if, so one friend, you know, we, if we need a words of encouragement, if we need an introduction, they're, they're all leaders in their own spaces. And that support group, I think has been just crucial. And not everyone needs to have, you know, be surrounded by other people who run companies, but who are the, who are the women that surround you? Like who are your five closest friends and how do they support the work that you're doing or support your mental health? And how do you support them back? Cause I think in that entire journey of, can I, or can I not, how do I be a leader? What does this mean? That support group has been one of the most, I guess, necessary things I've, I've needed on this journey to be able to do it. So I'd say find what your support system is 
and it's especially a, a female heavy support system if you're a female entrepreneur. <laughs> Great advice. I agree 150%. And I don't think anyone's actually answered in that way. A lot of people say like mentors, which we know are very important, but your support group is really important because you know, I have a lot of great girlfriends. I do, but my su- business support group, it, That's meshes, way to say it. it yeah, it meshes yeah. with some of my friends, but not all of my friends are my business support group friends. You know what I mean? Like, so having yeah. that group, like I have a couple of, you know, professional friends, but some of them are also close friends. It just depends on the group. And I can go to them and be like, oh my God. And they understand what it's like to be running your own business and like just having a day, right? <laughs> yes. Those days. So, yes. And, and they can call me and I can call them. And it's so important to your growth. And they pick you up and you pick them up. And I agree with you. Great advice, Christy. So, where do we find you? I'm sure. I mean, there's kinema.com, Christy at kinema.com on social media. I'm usually at Christy M or Christy Marchese. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E. I forgot the podcast. I guess spell my name out. So yeah, any Perfect. either of those places. Perfect. And we'll put this all in the show notes too. Definitely put the website so people can check it out and experience this amazing, amazing thing that you have created. Thank you again so much for joining us today, Christy. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion Podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion Podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.